0: Thank mm-hmm. you. My name is Matt Rury, and if I'm breaking up for you, I apologize. Apparently, this might be a tough show tonight. We're going to wait and wait it out and see what's going on. Uh, my co-host, as always, is Calvin Chamberlain. Calvin, I have to ask you a quick question before we get started. Here. Have you ever felt mean- like you're on the Truman Show? Uh, that yeah, I-, I love the
1: Truman Show. I'm
0: a big fan. Great movie, right? Great movie. It, was, it, it came out when I was in high school or maybe a little younger than that. And actually, uh, I'd have to double-check that. Uh, but there, are, there have been times where I have thought that I am on the Truman Show since I've seen the movie, And I've obviously gotten over it every single time, and I can't recall specific times. But there was an instance the other night where I was talking to a friend of mine about how uh, someone that I'm very close to in years past, had had threatened. I'm going to not going to word this to, to not get in trouble if anybody's listening. Because now I'm freaking out the people who are listening. Had threatened to do if they could get to that to a point of being close enough to a certain person of power that they may be able to, They may be willing to take that person out because they felt such a uh, angst and hatred towards them. Okay. So, uh, Do you follow me here so far? Yeah, yeah. You're talking
1: okay. about, like, the guy who runs a Y or something?
0: Sure, whatever you... Yes, Wh- whatever you uh, okay. want to say. So, the, the point of the story is that just just uh, not too long ago tonight, this evening, I spoke to the same person that I was t- telling this sort of story to the other night, and uh, this person relayed the message to me that the person in his life that he had an extremely close relationship, similar relationship to compared to the one that I was telling him about, for so the first time ever came out and said a very similar statement to the one that I was telling him about. So I just I feel like this is too these are too close together to 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 be just coincidence. And I'm starting to think that someone somewhere is watching all of us and I'm freaking out about it.
1: Yeah, but that, another, I would that I start keeping a close eye on those guys. I know that's, that's not really the point you were making, but it's not the point also, I'm making.
0: But I think they'll be fine. I think they will be fine. Um. Anyway. Also,
1: I feel like I would, I would I would know if there was a fake sky. For the record, I think that's 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 where you wouldn't get me. You'd get me with a fake sky. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's
0: kind of what got him. Right. He went to the end of the of the ocean there and ran into the fake sky. Right. And that uh well, that was the revelation that he that he had.
1: The piece of lighting that like fell down and almost hit him from the sky. Like that that would have been fine for me too. But even before he ends up Because uh, he knew before he ended up sailing, you know? He knew uh I I guess a couple of times where he, he caught his friends in a lie, right? And
0: in any case, anyway, yes, that that is the opening rant for tonight. I, I hope anybody listening was following me there, and um, I hope I did not implicate anyone in particular. I think I did a good job of staying away from that. Anyway, <laughs> we are NBA happy. NBA happy tonight. Thank you. Um, we have got an hour here on CLNash Media, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna start with some of the rumors that are floating around out there. I think.
1: Oh, I, mean, I thought we were going to start with the draft.
0: We can start with the well, see, that's, that's, that's the part that I missed at the beginning of, the, Josh Jackson. That's what we were talking about, Josh Jackson. So the behind-the-scenes note here is that we were talking show notes, and then I got my headphones moved to the live there while Calvin was still telling me what we were going to talk about on the other line. So I missed it. So we're going to start with the NBA draft. How do you feel yeah. as a Lakers fan about Lonzo Ball? And more importantly, how do you feel about Lonzo Ball's appearance on WWE Monday Night Raw last night?
1: Oh man, I'm, I'm glad you asked about that because I'm a little disappointed. Because had I had more time, I was trying, I was planning on doing a wrestling-based list game, and I was going to tangentially use the uh the the Lonzo Ball thing, but I also re- read on Deadspin about this wrestler named the, the Progressive Liberal who goes in uh in Kentucky and just like infuriates uh conservative wrestling fans with his liberal policies and he has like a he has like a shirt with a million pictures of Hillary Clinton. Anyway, it's just delightful and I was gonna do Yeah, I was gonna do a list game with with fake or real wrestling gimmicks. And maybe I'll you know, get around to doing this next week and, and you'll have to tell me if, if this gimmick is real or not. We, we, oh, we man, I would love
0: that. I would love that We'd have to bring Liz back back to the show for uh sorry for that bit. That would be awesome.
1: But but just just a quick note on, on the bar, it, and, and this goes to the draft too. Is there anyone? Anyone. I'd I'd like this person to call if they exist. Not that you know, people ever respond to my pleas. But is there anyone who still thinks the Lonzo Ball is bad for his kids? Is there anybody? Like, I, I'd love to know. Murray, are,
0: you, are, are you that guy? LeVar, sorry. Bad what did I say, LeVar? I don't know he's bad for his kids, but I feel like he should... I mean, hopefully, he's doing this with Alonzo now. He, should, he needs to step away and let them, let them do their thing. Now that Alonzo's been drafted, if LeVar steps out of the spotlight, of, uh, as far as Alonzo's concerned, then I'll my like, cap him and see what his son does in the NBA. If that's his plan and he's going to do the same thing with his other two sons as they come up, if they get to the NBA, I'm skeptical on that. First of all, that's fine as well. But he's making—he makes massive claims and he throws stuff out there uh, and hopes that it sticks. Uh, and I just—the thing that I, I don't care about the WWE appearance. That's money for him, and that's a smart business decision. It usually is when you team up with the WWE, uh, but. I, I am a little bit more worried about his declaration that the Lakers are going to make the playoffs. That might be a little bit too much pressure than, or more pressure than his son wants and should be can would be able to handle. We'll see about it. But I just I think he's going to have he's going to, have to retract that one at some point because no no offense yeah, no, I, unless you call they call a deal for Paul George. There's no way they're making
1: the playoffs. I don't I don't feel like. He does put any pressure on him to make the, to, to have the Lakers make the playoffs this year. Because, like, does, I, does anyone take Lonzo, I'm sorry, Labar Ball seriously at this point? Does anyone, like, he already said he could beat Michael Jordan one-on-one. He comes out, he says the most ridiculous things imaginable. He said the Lakers were going to make the playoffs this year. If they don't, is do you think people are going to be mad at Lonzo? Like, yeah, he might get you know, a joke in, in response. But, like, again, to be fair, Labar he said months ago, Lonzo probably be drafted to the Lakers. If you try to engineer it so you would basically sort of only work out for the Lakers. Even even though the, the Lakers smoke screen, which again again I wanna point out the just, just pre draft smoke screens are ridiculous. Like the constant stories that come come around about how the Lakers didn't like Lonzo. It's so clear, like you hear Magic Johnson's press conference. After they after they drafted Lonzo, like he's in love with Lonzo Ball and the idea of him being like the next Magic or Jason Kidd or whatever. It's it's like the Lakers were always going to draft Lonzo Ball. In, in in anyway anyway the point is is like he got exactly what he wanted. He spoke it into existence. So like he and I realize I'm I'm predisposed to like Lonzo Ball for the sort of wrestling mentality that I've already gotten into, but. Like, th- there's no way to say that he, like, hasn't won at this point, I guess is where I'm at. The Lakers make the playoffs, don't make the playoffs. If they, look, if they make the playoffs, uh, Lamar gets to come out and, and say whatever. If he doesn't make the playoffs, he'll just come out and, and talk about la uh, lot of white teammates. So he's good.
0: Right, so at least we know from the WWE segment that maybe he's uh, teaching his, his children he qualifies. Sure uh racial equality specifically, so
1: um, anyone
0: that hasn't seen that should go check it out. Yeah, I c
1: I kinda got what you were saying there. It's just uh the uh the cutouts pretty bad right now, but um yeah, you you were talking about his son saying uh the things that he said to the Miz which like alright not not the best look for him, but I'm, I'm sure it's not like LeVar told him to say it.
0: No, but uh I mean at some point, watching your dad go on television and essentially say anything he wants and talk to anyone that he wants to the way he wants to, wouldn't, wouldn't you just go out and say whatever you want to? And maybe as, as a child of that age, you don't know any better than to say what he said?
1: No, but, but uh, on, on the other hand, the NBA Awards, which we'll get to later, were, were on last night. Drake was hosting, and, and I feel like more people cared about LeVar Ball on Rock. Like definitely on social media it had a bigger reaction than any it's of the NBA crazy.
0: awards. Dude, I didn't even realize that I didn't even realize that the NBA awards were last night until late in the afternoon, uh, and it just it, it was so underpublicized. They really blew it on this one. They they tried to set this thing up, and we'll talk about it in detail later. But uh, it, it was a pretty big flop, if you ask me.
1: But yeah, but but uh, you, you well, I don't know. I didn't watch them either, so I guess you could you could say uh, I just have the list of winners. So uh, I'm not too into award shows. But in, in any case, uh, I I think you have to you have to admit that he won the night. You know what I mean? Like this guy, look, this guy manages to get attention for himself and his family in a way that, like, I mean, other than the Kardashians, like I I can't really name anyone else who like is as Effective self-promoter as Levar Ball, you know, or even a family promoter. If it, if one of his kids, everyone everyone who hates Levar should be hoping and praying another one of his kids doesn't make it to the NBA. Because if, if that guy has two NBA sons, and especially if one of them, if Lonzo, becomes a star, even if the other one's not that good, the, if, if you're never going to get rid of the Ball family, I'll would, I would just put it that way.
0: All right, fair enough. Fair All right. enough.
1: All right, everybody. So, uh, Jason Tatum, we we talked about yes. it last week. Uh,
0: On to the Celtics.
1: Yeah. Oh, oh, by the way, I I guess just, just to, to say how I feel about Lonzo, I guess, I guess at this point it, it was, it's been so long since it felt inevitable in my mind that he was going to come to the league. I'm just glad they didn't screw up. I was sort of worried that they were going to pick a Josh Jackson or, a, or De'Aaron Fox. And, you know, I'm not a college expert, and even if I was, like – I don't know who's going to be the best player out of any draft, you know, any, anybody who's like, anybody who comes out and gives like the, the draft grades, like draft grades should apply if you, if you take a reach when you could have traded down and gotten that guy anyway. I understand those draft grades, but being like, you know, we got the best player, like I don't know, is Josh Jackson better than Jason Tatum? I don't know. Do you feel like you know?
0: I don't know. Oh, no, probably not. I mean, initially I would say he, he's not going to be So I'm going to steal this from a guy on the radio around here who's probably stole it from somebody else. Uh, and I'm just going to say it verbatim because I think it's the, the best assessment of Jason Tatum that I've heard so far. Jason Tatum coming going into this next year, Calvin, has the highest floor and the lowest ceiling. Yeah, I so,
1: sort of agree with both of those
0: things. Okay. So basically the idea is that he's going to be the player that looks the best next year. He will definitely be – I mean, if he gets to playing time anyway, he will, he will be in contention for the rookie of the year. And going forward, there will probably be four, five, maybe even six players in this draft that end up having better careers than Jason Tatum. That's the, that's the projection that people are seeing right now. And I'm just hoping that, that uh, that's not correct because the way that Danny Ainge is talking about this kid – is that, and that some other people surrounding Anthony Ainge in the media, anyway, are talking about this guy, is, is that he has the potential to be a poor man's Paul Pierce, and whether that means that, that he gets to, to be scoring 15, 16, 17 points a game throughout his career, or more than that, I think that would be the, the high end of his, his his ceiling. Whereas some of these other guys have potential to be true superstars.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I think the thing about Tatum is like his his athleticism is not it's it's good, but it's not high enough to be the type of player that he is, which is like ball in hand. Like, he I, I guess he, he's similar to Fultz in in terms of like how he plays. So obviously, he's bigger, but like he's a how he plays in the ball with the ball in his hand, although he's not as good off ball as Fultz. Um, I think they made the safe choice here which I guess you know and we'll talk, we'll talk more about the subjects, but uh, just with their timeline I suppose it it, it makes sense especially if you consider uh, they, they do have the Nets pick uh, next year and the, the Lakers are Kings pick you know two years from now maybe they're thinking their thought is uh, we, have, we we're trying to fit you know we're trying to create a championship window right now and if you believe the rumors uh, apparently of <laughs> apparently Tanny Age is. If you have my uh, my doubts somewhat, but um, yeah, if you're trying to build that window now, maybe you say, hey, yeah, Tatum is the most ready to play with this team right now, and then you don't worry if he ends up, you know, he ends up being a guy who's who's not the best guy, maybe the best guy is Jonathan Isaac, but he's not helping this team next year, And but you, you know, four years from now, what could the Jonathan Isaac do you if, if the team's not built for it anyway? So I sort of like because that—that that, that was my criticism of Ainge previously—is—is is like committing to a timeline, and you know, if, if this so, is the first start of, of committing to that timeline, then I can I can sort of respect it. All right. So my thought on.
0: on the Celtics in general. Let's get into that because you're sort of alluding to the rumors that have been out there about Gordon Hayward and Paul George coming to, to the team, and Celtics finding a way to do it, but and they're wanting to do it on their own terms, and the timing have it, have it be their own situation. Wait till July 1st and all of this. And to me, the, the entire thing speaks of collusion. And I don't know why nobody is is talking about this, and nobody's saying anything to about it. Maybe the NBA doesn't care. Maybe they just want to sweep it under the rug, but. Just the fact that Paul George comes out and says he doesn't want to play for Indiana, assuming that's true, that report is true, right? Because he didn't actually say it himself. Uh, assuming that report is true, that in and of itself is, is not good for the NBA, right? But now you're getting to the point where so,
1: people are saying uh, I that's
0: it's a, an overstatement.
1: How is, how is that? Oh, wait wait not good for the NBA. Can you, be, can you be more specific by what you mean? Uh, cause I, I, can you clarify what you mean by not
0: good for the NBA? I just I think it's not good that a, a player uh, can sort of dictate the way all of these talks have gone. Right? This is all surrounding him saying he's not going to stay in Indiana, right? The, people wouldn't, right. Be, wouldn't be even calling him. The Pacers to pray for him had he, I mean, they might be calling, but the Pacers wouldn't be entertaining any any talks had he not told them or at least hinted at the fact that he was not going to come back. Right. So I just I don't like the fact that that. Uh, that the players are starting to dictate the flow of the entire league. and not just the players. Like if it, if it was, if, if middle, if we talked about this the other a couple of weeks ago, if a guy like Kelly Olynyk can dictate the way the market is going to go, or things like that, and you're talking about giving guys power up and down the line as far as where they want to play, then that's that's one thing. But if you're going to take the top five to ten players and it, Swing the way the league is going, and and affect the way thirty different cities in, in the NBA uh, have or get their entertainment as far as professional basketball is concerned. I think that's where the league needs to figure out a way. And I don't know what it is. I'm not smart enough to figure that out. But figure out a way to to incentivize these guys to go to a mid market city and, and things like that. And I just I just don't think it's good that guy can announce a year in advance that he is, is planning on going to a specific team or specific market.
1: I mean, to to your point, and this is actually I'm, I'm sort of on the other side anyway. But like to your point, Paul George has been in Indiana for eight years. I mean, it's like the way the NBA salary cap situation works sure. is like after, after first of all you're drafted, so that's that's already sort and, of a. a a form of, like, get, getting guys to the market teams, obviously, right? You can't control where you're drafted, even though you can, tr- you can try Josh Jackson. I, I haven't finished my, my draft thoughts either, by the way. We need to get back to that because there's all sorts of trade. But anyway, uh, so, yeah, you, can, you, you get drafted by a team. You have no control over that. And then after your full year, the, 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 the team, you're a restricted free agent. So you either basically have to sign a, like, a one-year uh, tender for almost no money, and, and take the risk of, of that working out, and then becoming a free agent after that, which almost nobody ever does. Or, or you you have to sign a second. Uh Contract, the team can match any offer, and you're going to probably get underpaid on your second contract as well. So, so Paul George might not have just done his time in Indiana. He's been there eight years. Absolutely. And and I agree with that. I think that that he has the absolute right to
0: go wherever he wants to. I just think it's kind of crappy that he he picked a, a specific city, a specific team, and said, I want to go there. Whereas there are 28 other teams that would love to have his services. And until the time comes, at least let them think that, that, they, could, that they could have you and they, that they could figure out a way to do it. You know, I mean, it, just, it, it would be one thing if he said, listen, I, don't, I think my time is up in Indiana. It's another thing that he took a specific team. And if, that, if he had said that he was coming to Boston, then, of course, I would be thrilled, but I would still think it was a crappy way to go about it.
1: But don't don't you feel like look, the more the more information you have as a fan of a team, like the the, the more you can reasonably decide what you want to do. If Paul George says nothing to Indiana, then, then then what happens? He becomes a free agent and he walks for nothing. Right now he's giving the team the opportunity to trade for him. Right? If he if he if he tells Indiana I'm not coming back here and he says, You know what, I'm determined That's, to go back to the lake Wait, but but, but but what if Paul George says uh, like I'm determined to leave Indiana, but he doesn't tell them that he that he only wants to play with the Lakers. And then a yep. team like the thinking thinking that they have a shot to re-sign him in the off-season, just just go all in, which which they made you anyway. But they go all in with less in, much less information. And then Paul George says, "Oh yeah, I was planning on going to the Lakers the entire time after the season." How how much angrier are you at that point than you are now? At least at least going into it knowing that there's a pretty good chance he'll leave for the
0: Lakers. Um, Wouldn't you imagine? I don't know. I don't think I would be that angry. I, I think that that, is a, that that is a smart... I mean, especially if he would, if he would be able to make more money, but... I mean, it's, it's a shrewd decision, especially if he has loyalty towards the Pacers. Then, it, then he, 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 behind closed doors, would be telling the Pacers that he doesn't want to stick around. So they have the ability and they have the leverage to go and get a, a big package. But now that the Celtics know that he doesn't want to stay there, they are going to undercut whatever the Pacers think the value is for Paul George. And that's, that's kind of the point. I'm not I, I'm, I'm going to take the devil's advocate here. And I'm not I, I'm not even looking at it. Not even looking at yeah, the Celtics like and specifically, and just saying, listen, if he had any loyalty towards the Pacers at all, they would have made sure that that did not get leaked, that nobody else knew that he wanted to go to the Lakers, and then he, they, they would be able to start entertaining calls and say, hey, yeah, you know what? Yeah, we, we might be able to trade Paul George, but it's going to cost you. And at that point, maybe somebody like the Celtics go out there and say, all right, we'll give you the two picks one this year, one next year. We'll give you, we'll you Jalen Brown, we'll give you Marcus Smart, and you can have any other person on the roster just give us one pick in return and Paul George or something. We put together a package that Indiana can't refuse. That's that's when, when you're paying back the team. And that, my friend, is exactly what happened with Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, even though I would imagine neither one of them really wanted to leave. But the point is, they got... A haul back for those guys because the Nets didn't know any better. So, by tipping off the rest of the league that you don't want to play anywhere for the Los Angeles Lakers or the city of Los Angeles in general, you're, you're hurting your franchise that you spent so much time in because now they can't get this good of a return for
1: you. You're giving the Nets uh, a lot of cre- a lot of credit for making a terrible mistake, which if I'm a Nets fan, I'd, pre- I'd appreciate in the moment. I mean, uh, Pearson Garnet were well, oh like the, the, the writing on the wall. I mean, you remember we were doing the C L S shows at the time, and I said, "There's no way Pierce doesn't get traded in this off season," and I, I think the writing was on the wall for Pierce in, in, in my opinion. Um, but. But I guess that's neither here nor there, at this fine. I just think you, you also have to remember that Paul George has another agenda besides just helping the Pacers. Like, he he wants his next team to be good as well. Of course. So it, yeah, so his, his whole deal is, look, look look, what, look at the other side of this. What, what Paul George coming out and saying did. Like, the Lakers would never have traded D'Angelo Russell if Paul George didn't come out and say what he said. He's trying to make sure the Lakers now, hey, set this team up so I can come here next year. You know what I mean? And the, and the Lakers had
0: to make moves for that to happen effectively. Okay, so now on the flip side, somebody trades for him. He loves it there. The Lakers have opened up their roster. What does he do now? He says, oh, well, wait a minute. Uh, I just got to the NBA Finals with the the Washington Wizards. This looks like a great place, actually. I, I love it down here in D.C. It's not as bad as I thought it would be. I'm going to stick around. You know what? Sorry, Magic. I I've been, I've been mean it. To happen this way, but we got a really good thing going here, and I want to win it now, and they get paid. So see you later. What happens then? Then Lakers fans get pissed, right? But it all started with him tipping off the whole league and he didn't want to go anywhere with the LA. Well,
1: this is well. For, this, first of all, this is why this Paul George thing is my nightmare right now. Like, I would almost rather just have him be traded. There's a notion, but one, there's the notion that like. Paul George wants to come here so badly that there's reports that, like, uh, people are hoping he gets traded to the Lakers and then sees it as a bad situation and then wants to leave after a year, thinking like that's the best opportunity to get Paul George, which uh, I'm not – like Paul George would like, I I don't buy that because I I feel like Paul George coming here would then know that the Lakers would have that other max contract to offer another star with George in L.A. at that point, and I I don't even even if he had a terrible year with the Lakers, I doubt he would be like, well, uh, you know, me and this new superstar signing here is is not going to work out uh, after one season. So I'm I'm skeptical of that, but I I sort of get the, the mentality of it, but even more so. It's like, it's, hey, I, the, the Pacers seem like they're determined not to make the Lakers of it. But at the same time, I don't know how forceful George is being in telling teams uh, exactly what he wants to do. The, ru- the rumor about Paul George to the Celtics, we might as <laughs> well get into it now since we're already on George, is, is oh. that, George, they, is that they, they need to clear cap space. The reason they haven't tried to trade for George is they need to clear cap space uh, to, to sign Gordon Hayward before they can even try to trade for George And if, if they can sign Hayward They're going to sort of use the pitch of Hey we got Gordon Haywood Look at this final scene to, to get George with the idea of, of extending him before he comes here Now I don't I don't know how you feel about, about this rumor But I don't believe it for a second For well, uh, a, couple, a couple of reasons First of all If, if Paul George would, would Make less money if he signs An extension in this offseason I don't even if the even if the Pacers traded him to the Lakers right now, Paul George isn't signing an extension with the Lakers, and I'm, I'm firm in my confidence that he wants to play. here. So I don't think he's doing it with the Celtics either, and and I don't think like I, I I'm not sure that that team with with Hayward and, and Paul George gets past LeBron, and and I feel like pl- playing that out if they just lose to LeBron again, I don't I. I I don't necessarily think Paul George is going you know, to automatically be committed to re-signing with the Celtics as committed as, as he already has sure. seemed to have been. Like, yeah, so you, that?
0: You, I said that they would get to the NBA Finals, or that, that's that's what my speculation would be that if that, if they put that team together, they would be able to get past the, that past the Cleveland Cavaliers and get to the NBA Finals, and then Paul George would have a difficult decision for me, right? That's when he would have, he would have to start thinking, well, wait a minute, do I really want to go play in my hometown and, and play uh, for my hometown team on the West Coast in a beautiful state, or do I want to win championships in the next two to three years? And that's where he may start to do the LeBron James thing, where he goes one one or something like that, and tries to maximize his value for a couple of years and win somewhere and then go to the Lakers. And so I'm just – I have no idea where this is all going to go, uh, but I, I think you- I think, that, I think it's, it's all going to come down to whether Paul George wants to win now or whether he thinks that the Lakers can find a way to win in four to five years. Uh, Calvin, this is Paul George talk five minutes ago that we started As has uh, lit up the, the call lines. They're, they're The call lines? They're exploding. Three, two, three, six, four, two, one, four, three, four. We have one caller tonight. Can you believe it?
1: Let's see who it is. It's Sam.
0: It's Sam. It's our favorite caller, of course. Sam, the man. What's
2: up, Sam? Hey guys, I wanted to ask what you guys thought. Um, why do you think that George said he prefers the Lakers rather than outright saying it? I mean, I, I, I don't think he put Indiana in that type of a spot in the sense that. He he could have just said Lakers only and then they're forced to meet their demands. He's left that part open.
1: Well I, well, I I think the reason he said it is is because of tampering issues. He can't say that like I'll only be traded to the Lakers because the Lakers like he he, he essentially can't say that like I'm re, I'm signing with the Lakers next year no matter what. Because it, he's saying prefer, prefer to the Lakers because of like. In his world, he doesn't know if the Lakers are open to signing him or trading him. If he speaks as if it's like a done deal, then the, the Pacers can go after the Lakers for tampering. That, to me, is a, is a language issue as much as anything.
2: Because He's not shooting down these Boston rumors. He's not, he hasn't said the way the butler said he wouldn't go to uh, Cleveland. I mean, these rumors have been going on for a, about a week now. Um, and you're hearing yeah. that um, that that the George camp has reached out and they've said they would fit Juan Boston. It doesn't sound like he's close, to Boston.
1: I don't think he's close to door
0: either. And that's that's what makes me yeah. think that there, that Ainge has known something for weeks about this, and that's why he stuck with the pick, and that's why he didn't <laughs> trade for Jimmy Butler because they might, they would like Paul George better, uh, and that's why he's chasing them and i just i feel like something that that he just has known and that's that's where the nba needs to address, address the issue of collusion something's going on here behind the scenes that nobody knows
1: about well, I, I I think he didn't trade for Butler for partly for the same reason he hasn't traded for George yet, which is that it, it can't really work until he tries for the Hayward situation and then and then see where it goes from there. Because I'm for, I'm still not sure if if I'm a Celtics fan like previously I thought yeah just trade for George even if your window is one year George walks like at least take that swing and maybe maybe you're good enough to win a title and then George comes back or get the finals then George comes back. anyway. Uh, who knows? But the, the counter to that is like the the way this is is setting up now with the lower cap, like they they have to kind of gut their team to get George and Hayward both under the books. They, they they basically have to get rid of four of like uh Olenek, Smart, Bradley, Crowder, and I forget. They have to get rid of like four or five guys, right? So they're gonna have. Now so, so have Brown and Tato probably. They may have to give up a pick. I, I still think Ainge is gonna continually try to lowball ball the end. Which he should by the way because I'm not I, I just don't Absolutely. Think, Yeah, it it's a risk to get Paul George in, in in Boston and maybe it's maybe it's worth it for that for that season and hoping you re sign him. But I, I do think like they're not gonna be as deep and they're they're taking a big risk if all if all those dominoes don't fall into place they're gonna to have to trade smarter Rogier, like just to just to get Hayward and under the max, and you know what I mean. And, and after that, uh, like I said, let, let's say they're trading Crowder, Bradley, and you know Rogier to to get Paul George's salary back under. It's like now, it, now you have to basically have George resign, or you're screwed going, or your team is like not what it was going forward. And so, it, well, is it worth it? Self It might be. I don't know. I, I I can't really decide. But what
2: what do you guys think? I, I, you know, I think Bernardoni uh, the danger card, had said he, he's he's made it pretty clear several times that we can only have it for one year, and then we get into deep luxury taxes. Um, and I, I don't really know what Ainge is thinking, but, I mean, if this is what he's thinking, um, obviously you're going to, need to lose most of your talent and you're going to be top-heavy, but you're still going to have the young guys um, that you can groom and kind of bring up. I, I don't think you need much more than that, but I, I think the 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 big thing though is that on draft night they said that there was a deal in place for Bradley to minnesota um for a for a lottery pick and um they all they've also said that 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 a deal with with the with Indiana fell through that night, so I'm thinking it was that deal and i don't know i know the sequ- how the sequencing works i don't know had had they dealt bradley away for for nothing i guess. Uh, and gotten a lottery pick in return. Could they have done that George deal at that point? Because they make it sound as if that George deal was ready to go through that night.
1: Well, the the George deal still would have needed some salary going back the other way to preserve enough salary for the Hayward scenario. They're going to – like trading Bradley just because they're they're not at max right now, even if they renounce all the guys. Like, next probably gone uh, regardless. But to even get – they don't need to clear Bradley's entire salary. Yeah. They're, they need to clear Bradley's entire salary, but like I think the 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 Bradley trade's probably not directly co- uh, connected to george like they they need to clear somebody it doesn't have to be him it could be Rochier or smart one of those three guys probably needs to be traded even before they get Haywood and it, without even think, you know considering the paul george situation and then a- after that then you look and do like okay, uh what do you get for George maybe that lo- that lottery pick can you know be part of what what gets put on the table for your George thing but I think he's try I think the, the reason why he went after George Moore is, like I said, I, I'm not. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not I, I think salary obviously is, is a big factor because he makes less than Butler. Um, but also, yeah, I, I just think he's going to try to lowball Indiana. It'll it'll be interesting to see how low. Because then after the Butler deal went down, Dan Ainge is like the only person alive who came out and said Minnesota really gave up a lot in that deal, which really looks like. How were you not in on Butler at all, man? If, if, if you're worried about a guy in an ACL and a 23-year-old rookie who had a terrible year, like then he could have beaten that deal in his sleep, in my opinion. So what's he, what's he going to offer for George? In like, Are the Pacers even going to want to take that?
2: Yeah, it's hard to say. I think he must have lost interest in George or, or the timing didn't work out. But I wanted to ask one last question, and that was um, the Lakers, I, I can't see them just allowing him to go to Boston without – Without a last word, do you think the Lakers would would uh, would throw in Ingram or Ball in, in, in a deal to try to get him? No, I don't. I I think they you the,
1: in so the Lakers case, they're going to uh, they're going to have the, the you know two max slots next year once they stretch in, which is, basically feels inevitable at this point. And I I think from their perspective, like even if they can't get Paul George, uh, they'll, they'll still theoretically be able to make that run at LeBron. Russell Westbrook is. You know, has this opt out, so they they can make an they can make offers at other guys, and I think that George has been so firm in saying, like specifically telling the Lakers, like don't trade, uh, don't trade your asset, all your assets for me. I just I can't see them making that mistake. I think uh, I, if if they had some sort of middle ground that in, that Indiana would take, but I, I don't think I don't think they want Randall and Clarkson which if if the, if the picks were still on the table, 27, 28, it might be interesting now that they're players. They're, they're probably less valuable for Indiana. So, like, I mean, the Lakers have some young guys with some value, but I feel like it's all, you know, it's all dimes on the dollar scenario. But if if I'm Indiana, like, I'm not even sure unless, unless the Celtics come hard with picks, why I wouldn't rather just take it, like, Unless because because the thing about the stuff is, is I, I I don't think they're gonna offer Brown or Tatum. So if you're not offering Brown or Tatum, if I'm the Pacers, what do I want with with like your Jay Crowder Avery Bradley combo? What is that? All that's gonna do for the Pacers is like keep them out of the bottom of the lottery, and keep them in this in this same position that they're in, or or slightly worse really, where they're you know a, an 11 seed in the East. Like why would I want that? If if they don't throw enough picks or if they don't throw in. Uh, you know, Brown or they—they they gotta go like Lakers pick or Nets pick or or Brown or Tatum or I walk if I'm if I'm the Pacers. But who knows?
2: Well, they're saying it's the Lakers pick, and then like you said, those players. But I mean, Indiana's always been perfectly okay, okay being in the middle. middle. Um, they don't seem to want to rebuild, and even the Bulls didn't want to seem to do it until they finally decided to do it this year. But I think I think that number that that Lakers pick is in there, and then they were saying maybe the Clippers or the Memphis pick along with all those players. So, I mean, that does sound like a pretty good haul from their perspective, but. I guess we'll see. So, anyways, uh, hope you didn't dislike that Russell trade too much, but um, I'll let you guys go, go on. and thanks a lot. Uh, go Celtics. Yeah.
1: Hi, Betty. Rick. How you, you muted Rick? Did you meet yourself?
2: I think his mic is dead.
1: Uh, classic Ray situation. He was, he was cutting out. Or did he sound bad earlier when he was on the air? He was cutting out a lot in my head.
2: Yeah, I told him he was vibrating.
1: Yeah, if you don't mind staying with me for a second until we. Uh... So
2: what, no, what did talk. you,
1: what did you think of the Butler trade, uh, and, and the secondary? You know, like, I didn't understand it at all from their perspective. Like, especially because he's under contract for a couple more seasons. I felt like they could have waited until either later in the summer, even like the Pacers are doing with Paul George. I don't know. It, obviously, the Cleveland thing fell through because Cleveland players said, you know. Told Butler not to go there, but it, it seemed like there were so many other options available. Especially once, if if I'm the the Bulls, I feel like I can outweigh the Pacers because of the legs of his contract. Butler didn't necessarily seem like he wanted to go anywhere. Why not? Yeah, why not wait till George is off the market, and then Butler's value is so much higher. Rather than again, trading for a guy who's on an ACL, like who knows if he'll ever be what he was before. And I really like Zach Levine as a UCLA guy, but like, but who knows? And then beyond that. Dunn, in my mind, like, like a 23-year-old rookie who didn't play well at all. I don't see how much he, he's better he's going to get. And then they came yeah, up to pick and drafted Laurie Markinen who was like, I don't I don't think that guy's going to be anything with
2: it. Yeah, I, I think I think they, they like Markinen for one and they like Dunn, which they tried to get last year. I think they just... I don't know what's going on with that. I mean, they're, they're a really tough ownership to... Uh, uh, I mean, imagine if that's your ownership group and that's your uh, your front office, and you have to you have to root for that team. I mean, they they, they don't seem to know what they're doing. <laughs> they don't seem to draft law other than Butler, and they don't seem to care. I mean, they sold that second round pick. I mean, imagine as a Laker fan or a Celtics fan having to put up with that. I mean, how do you how do you not, how do you anger your fan base like that? I, I mean, on the front page of their blogs, they were saying, "Hey, we got fleeced by the Wolves." Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, I, it, I I did want to ask you. Let me ask you about one other thing. I, I still feel really dirty from that whole from that whole Josh Jackson fiasco. I, I wish I knew the truth as to who we really wanted. Was it Jackson or was it Hayden? Because I kind of thought it was Jackson, um, and, and I just don't like how that whole thing felt. I mean, would they actually did Bernard Did some, Did the Suns GM actually set up the whole situation where they got on a flight? In order to piss Danny Ainge off to not select him, did he actually go that far?
1: So that's that's an interesting theory. You thought it was orchestrated by the Suns because I sort of feel like it, it was orchestrated by Jackson. You know what I mean? Like, I, I it's funny that you, that you think that they, they you think they told him uh, they told him to tell Danny Ainge to get on a flight and then to Sacramento and then cancel it. I mean, I, I, that, that's a pretty devious move. I, I, that seems more like an agent move to me than like a GM of another team scenario. But it certainly seemed, you're right, it certainly seemed a couple of weeks ago that Ainge was, had fallen in love with Jackson. But Jackson, you know, even during that period of time, seemed to show no inclination to wanting to go to the South. That's why I i think that whole thing where like, Jackson was guaranteed a top three pick, like, that seems to me like that was never real, right? I don't think the, the Lakers clearly didn't tell tell it to him. The Sixers didn't do it. So like the, the Celtics, the Celtics weren't even talking to Jackson at that point. And like Jackson, they, they, he didn't want to go there. So why would he like why would he be affected by uh, the, the rumor that he was like uh, going to go to the Celtics at three? I I just find that I, I'm skeptical of that that whole uh, guarantee being out there. But so I, I, I sort of think- feel like it was orchestrated by Jackson. But go on, sorry.
2: I think it was. Is it McDonough? Is that the name of the gym in Phoenix?
1: Um, whatever his name is,
2: yeah. It, it, yeah. I believe it was. Yeah, I believe it was him because, I mean, he at the press conference he he made it pretty clear that that he was involved in the scheme, right? He it, it was gamesmanship or, or whatever that was. It wasn't illegal. Um, I mean, I, I think it was him. I don't. To me, Jackson may have wanted to go to Phoenix, but I don't think he he would. He would think of doing things like that. This had to come from either the, the, the GM or the um, or the agent. But I really think yep, it's the GM. I, agree. I mean, I mean, he kind you of admitted can. that yeah. much. Yes, you can. Wonderful.
0: I don't. I never know what to do with this stupid thing when it cuts out like this, whether it's BTR or my browser or the microphone itself. But here I am. Oh, you sound so good now, too.
2: Oh, really? So
0: That's yeah. all it takes. I just. I just. I basically did everything to try and reset this stupid thing. And here we go. Um, Sam, I think you're on to something because this, this Jackson Jackson's just a kid and maybe he doesn't realize, or maybe he did think that he would have less playing time in Boston. And somebody suggested to him that that was the case. And he said, Oh yeah, that's a good idea. You're right. We, we don't want to go there. Uh, But that's, he's not coming up with that on his own. That's not his scheme. He just wants to be picked by the team at, at, the, at the highest number that he can, or lowest number, if you will, because he wants to make the most money that he can in his first year. So he's not he coming up with a scheme to, to stay away from a team, I don't think.
2: Did you hear that, Jackson? Jackson didn't even know what to say. He, he, he was kind he was contradic- contradicting himself constantly about what happened. I think, I think he was lying, didn't know what to say, and he kept kind of bouncing around. But, I mean, think about this. The Celtics got on the plane all the way across the country. They obviously had some interest in him. There was no way they were outright going to pick him at that point if they were willing to fly all the way across the country to Sacramento two days before the draft. I mean, they're not even having him come in. They're saying, we'll come to you. There had to be some interest right. at that point to still do that. That's why it just yep. feels really ugly. Uh, it's just
0: Well, you know just what? Just I'm, I'm sure that all. Danny Ainge will not be working with that agent much in the future, and they will definitely – Tiptoe around whoever his clients are. So too bad for for those kids coming out of college that signed with that guy. But the GM, no chance. Too.
1: No chance. A- Angel's going to take Tatum At one though, right? We we can agree that was a lot. That whole like, yeah. I, I, no, I but this the strategy. thing that we were t- I was t- talking t- about with you last week is that
0: if okay. he didn't take Fultz he was going to take Tatum or Jackson, and he targeted a couple of different guys. The point was that he oh, didn't. Yeah. What, the point of him saying that was that not that. That he wanted a specific guy at number one, but it was that he didn't want faults. That's what, what I got out of that, and he didn't and he didn't want to have to explain it away, which is why he traded down. That's my opinion.
2: You know, the I really like the fact that Jeff Goodman and um, and uh, Kevin O'Connor are behind Tatum because they really trust their opinions on players, and and, and I used to fight Goodman on Rondo, and I was really wrong. Um, but it still feels like... As I think Goodman's out, in Angel's
0: pocket, by the way, and O'Connor is not.
2: <laughs> but the one thing that, that I will say is that what this kind of feels like we're put in a position now where there are three guys ahead of us in, in, in Ball, Fultz, and Jackson with very high ceilings, and any one of them can become a star, and if Tatum doesn't become one, we're going to feel like we passed on three guys that you know, we could have had that were all ranked in most on most boards ahead of them Now maybe this is just for the purpose of making this deal with George, and and if that's the case, then then it all works out. But just on its own, I just don't like how, I just don't like the way it felt coming out of this. And and obviously, you know, every Celtic fan is out. Every 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 Celtic fan out there is going to, well, not every fan, but they're going to get behind Ange. And, and and there's a lot of pressure to get behind Ange on this from a lot of people. But I'm just I just don't like the way that that felt. You know, I I, I just. You know, I don't know if you felt the same, but that's the way that I came out of it.
1: Marie, you wanna come in here? You
2: haven't it in
0: a while? It doesn't seem to be a, a very good look. And I just I don't know. I, I hope it was the right decision, basically. Um I, but what?
1: Yeah, it's not like they made a crazy reach. I mean I, no. I, I think that yeah, after last year's death. People were saying the same thing about the, the Jalen Brown pick. How people wanted Chris Dunn, and like, I I, I think Jalen Brown was you know if we the, the draft was re-general right now Jalen Brown would probably be taken third.
2: So okay, I, I think
1: but, that I, but pretty, that's
0: that's that's all well and good. But I also think that in in retrospect and also sort of uh, comparing the two here, there's there is more potential of fireworks, which is what they've been talking about for three years here now this year than than. Th- there were last year and the the rumors this year seem more realistic and and bigger for that matter but also more attainable than they were last year so that's where I think that the disappointment sort of comes in if all they come away with here is uh, Jason Tatum and and you know what Gordon Hayward for that matter if they come away with 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 just Hayward I think at that point w- it would be nice, and they would improve. They'd be a better team. But overall, compared to the, the things that we're hearing about how close they are on Paul George, that would be somewhat of a disappointment.
1: Wow. Well, uh, I think uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I think what, what it comes down to is, like, yeah, Ames is sitting on a, a mountain of assets. There, there, there seem to be just options out there left and right. Uh, I was gonna. I was gonna ask you guys what you thought about uh, the possibility of, of the Celtics going after a guy like Iguodala, who a lot of teams are trying to target, sort of weaken the the Warriors and strengthen their team at the same time. I know he's older, but he is a he is a, a versatile player who would, in my opinion, would fit on the on you know, the Celtics. Like, you he, he obviously wouldn't be a max guy at this point, but like, should some of your other contingencies fall through, like maybe that's an, a, a direction they could look in. But the, the point I'm making is like. It, it seems like there are a million options for them, but it also seems like Danny H could just punt again, like he's punted so many other times. And in which case, we'll be, we, you know, you you like have the idea right now. Hey, we could be going to training camp with Gordon Hayward and Paul George. But if it's, you know, if it's not Gordon Hayward and Paul George, even if it's just Gordon Hayward, you might you might be a little disappointed. Although the, the, you could also argue that might be unrealistic expectations. What do you think? I, I
2: mean, I don't I don't think that. First, no on Iguodala because I think we're looking at our foundational players. Second of all, I think the cap space closes up after this year, so I think it's now or never as far as any kind of fireworks. And and last, I think that you know when the off season approached, there was there was two things that were kind of obvious and right in front of us that every Celtics fan wanted, which was sign faults and um I'm sorry draft faults and sign Hayward. If we end up with Tatum, and that's it, then that's disappointing.
0: Yep, that's definitely a disappointment coming out of uh, this this mountain of assets that Ainge had going into the, the NBA draft, for sure. Um, that's why I think that I've, I've thought this entire time that he has inside information or Stevens knows something or he got the wink and the nod from Gordon Hayward and he knows that they have a, a 90% chance of, getting Gordon Hayward and only a drastic situation would change his mind and that it's all going to come down in the next few days. And he's then going to make a big push for Paul George. So he has his plan lined up. uh, And that's why he's trying to sell the fact that he loves Jason Tatum and that he really likes the way that the Celtics have positioned themselves over the last week or so, because if all of this falls through and he has to go to plan B C then uh, he, he wants to be able to say, but look, I told you already, I like Jason Tatum. This is going to be great, and he's going to be great for us. Keep your eye on him type of thing. So he's always got a contingency plan, and he's always trying to make himself fall uh, softer, have a softer landing if something doesn't go his way. Uh, and I am also no on Andre Iguodala because I think that you can find guys that will do similar things to him or that he would do if you get to that point. You don't get out Iguodala first. If you get these other guys, then sure. You go and get a guy like that on a mid-level exception or a veterans minimum, something like that. And wow. uh, you, you go with it. You can find a guy that does what Iguadala does for that type of money as a, a final piece to a championship roster, for sure, if you get these other two guys.
2: Well... Hey, hey, I'll I'll let you guys go, but I just wanted to say that hey, I'm I'm glad that I'm not the biggest fan of Danny's drafting, but I'm glad that he's constantly playing chess. When there's guys like Gar Foreman, that you know they they don't seem to be playing anything, huh. um, so yeah, they yeah. they're they're finally choosing a direction. So I'm happy about that. I'm hoping Brad Stevens is on Gordon Hayward's doorsteps on Saturday, saying, Are you ready to go green? So, anyways, yep. thanks a lot, guys, and go Celtics. All right.
0: Thanks, Sam. Nice nice hearing from you. Thank you for filling in for me for a couple minutes there while I figured my stuff out. Much appreciated. There he goes. Long-time listener and caller to all of CLNS Media's shows here, mo- mo- mainly about the Celtics. Sam in San Diego, Celtics fans su- supplanted out there in, in uh, California. Loving it. Anyway, Calvin, what do you say we take the last eight minutes of the show here and talk about the NBA Awards, the first ever – NBA awards show. They're taking after the NHL and holding a live awards show uh, or they held last night a live awards show in New York City. I don't know if it's going to continue to be there but Drake was the host, the first ever host for the first NBA awards show. And There are a couple of things coming out of this before we get to actual winners that I just wanted to touch on. It's kind of strange that – I know this is the NBA, their tendency anyway. But I feel like it's strange that they are holding an awards show this far after the finals, and they're awarding regular season winners. And I understand that some of these players may have been in the playoffs at the time, but I would like to see regular season awards awarded between the regular season and the playoffs, personally.
2: It's, yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm I
0: feel like it loses its luster once the NBA finals have happened. And you know who are the best players and the best teams throughout the playoffs, and then you look at the list of winners that we have here, and a lot of them are not—they're not even on teams that came even that even came close. So, that's that's my I'm, first gripe.
1: Yeah, I'm. I hear I hear what you're saying and I would be okay if, if they happened before the playoffs but I but I do have to say that this this system now is in in my opinion an improvement on the system where we just announce all the awards in the middle of, of the second round of the playoffs like it's been, it happened every year for the last 20 years because they like
2: mm-hmm.
1: all the all momentum for those things first of all you know the NBA The MVP award becomes sort of like a footnote in, you know, whether or not the Thunder are going to beat the Rockets that night. So I I feel like you're undermining yourself as a league. It it deprives us of something to talk about other than, like, the the, the minute, even though we didn't give ourselves enough time to talk about it anyway. But – yeah, so it, so either do it before or after, but I, I don't like the during. And I I, I, cause I hate when one guy loses the MVP and it's, it's just like, oh, he lost in the first round. Now there's enough distance where we're like, okay, Russell Westbrook deserved MVP, and we don't have to act like it's the, the playoffs are the only thing that matters. Um, yeah, so getting to a, a couple of these quickly, I'm glad Malcolm Brogdon won Rookie of the Year over Embiid because I, I, I don't think it would have been fair to give uh, rookie of the year to a guy who was on a minutes restriction in his 31 games in which he played anyway. And, and, you know, sat in back to back games, missed the majority of the season as, as well as he played. And by the way, we're not even considering the fact that, you know, Joel Embiid missed his first two years and was allowed to be rookie of the year. And essentially his third season in the NBA with two years worth of training. So, uh, I'm glad he didn't win it. Obviously, if he remains healthy, he'll be the best player. How do you feel
0: about that? Uh, I completely agree. And I I think that uh, I wish that I I'd, I'd had the numbers in front of me because I thought that Jalen Brown was going to vault into the top five of that voting. Well, here we go. Voting totals. Um, he did not. He got one third-place vote, and that's it. So, the uh, the little swoon that I had with him in, I don't know, I'd say February, where he was performing at a, at a peak for a couple weeks, didn't last, and he didn't get any votes, basically. Uh, but Brogdon deserves it. He was a, he was consistent throughout the year. And the whole Brogdon versus Embiid thing, I think that's great as well because, yeah, Embiid was a superstar in his 44 games played or whatever it is. But that's basically Pretty half the season. How many? 31? Not even half a season. So I agree. He, he he really shouldn't be the the rookie of the year. And you know what? The voters proved right because he wasn't even second place in that voting. He was third place. His own teammate who performed for the entire year, Dario Saric, and was a guy that I was hoping the Celtics were going to try and find a way to, to acquire in that deal for the draft picks. Um it, Finished second in Rookie of the Year, and I thought I think that he deserved it as well. So overall, Calvin, though this was a, a pretty weak rookie class in my opinion, but Brogdon deserves it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, definitely a weak rookie year. I think time will tell on these things. Uh, you know, after after next year, or the year after that, I'll probably have a stronger opinion. But I feel like there hasn't, I don't know, if there hasn't been like a, a fantastic immediate draft in my mind. I guess maybe the Wiggins and Bead. Eh. Yeah. Not
0: even though I mean as rookies though Wiggins was He was good He wasn't great I, I would say I think teams are going away From rookies Especially the better teams In the league even the, even the above average teams If they get a rookie On their team That player is probably Not going to get A ton of time Unless well, I, they I Unless you are the Celtics And we'll, that's what we'll Find out here And maybe Maybe Jason Tatum Is uh, worthy of a top free pick And he will get Time on a good team We'll have to Wait and
1: see well, I, I think, one, that's part of the reason why Jalen Brown ended up on the second team meeting at the time that all the guys in the first uh, the first team got. But I, I think even beyond that, it, it's like with the increasing complexity of NBA offenses, like I've, they don't look anything like college basketball offenses anymore in my, in, in, for the most part. So, like, I, I think it just takes longer to adjust for rookies than it's used to. And, like, that's why, uh, I'm you know, until I see a guy in his third season um, I'm not sure that, like, I know whether or not... Obviously, you could see potentials here and there, but, like, I'm not willing to commit one way or another. Uh, this is, you know, on Jalen Brown, I'd say the same thing about Brandon Ingram, who also made the team. And People want to complain about it, but, like, if, if Brandon Ingram had a good, you know, the last two months of the season, and with, with the guys who were, you know, part of this rookie class, that's basically good enough to get you in there. But, um...
0: All right. You know what? We have 90 seconds here, but we're going to go over because I want to get into a couple of these things a little bit. So we'll just go over a couple of minutes and whoever's listening can enjoy that. Uh, still Sam, even though I've, I think I've tried to mute Sam two or three times and it's not letting me either way. Let's, can we move on to the coaches for a second? Because, uh, yeah. and this is not even a rant about Brad Stevens, because even though I think that he deserves to be in the top two of this, the, the coach of the year uh, results, um, but this is this is more a rant about Eric Spoelstra. Why is Eric Spoelstra the second place vote getter for NBA Coach of the Year? Please tell Any me. I I, have, I I can't figure this out. Is it because of Pat Riley? Is Pat Riley telling uh, reporters to vote for him and whoever is voting on these things, media members, to vote? Is is. What's going on here? Because I don't, I don't believe that Spolstra should be anywhere near the top of this list right now.
1: Well, this is an, an interesting philosophical question, right? Like, how do you, how do you evaluate coaches? Like, do you, do you evaluate them purely on results? Should like, should, should a coach be like the MVP, the best coach on the best team? Because I don't, I don't like the way that that works, right? Do you? It's like, should, should Steve Kerr be the coach of the year then? Or like, I, to me, it's like, what do you, How much do you? You know, how, how do you do compared to like what you're expected to do? And I and I think you you have somewhat of a case with Spoltra in that I I feel like he to a degree created his own narrative. Like if, if the the Heat weren't you know 13 and 31 or whatever they were in the first 41 game, then like they wouldn't they wouldn't be 30 and 11 or whatever they were in the last 41 game. But but because that dichotomy exists, it makes it look like Spoltra like pulled them together and oh. maybe he did. I, I don't I don't think it's like I don't think it's unreasonable for him to uh be near the top. I think second would probably be a a little high for me. Please. Yeah. The, yeah.
0: Second is way high. Let's talk about this. Come on. Miami missed the playoffs. They did not make the playoffs. They were five hundred in the Eastern Conference. They couldn't make the playoffs. And I know that they got better towards the end of the season and all this, yada yada. Maybe he's the reason for it, but where why wasn't it there before? And you want to look at the rest of the list here. D'Antoni won the thing, which is great. Houston overperformed to a lot of people's expect- uh, expectations. But they still were the three seed. And, and it just sort of it, – it, it's almost as if – no, you, I, don't, I don't want to just award the coach with the best team. But I want to award the coach that exceeds expectations more than anybody else. And to me, I just – I look at a 50-win team in Utah – and I think Quinn Snyder is getting screwed here. He comes in sixth place in this thing. And it's not Like I said, this is not a, a Brad Stevens rant. This is not anywhere close to that, even though I think that he should be higher. But there are other guys that were more deserving than Eric Spolstra to be number two through three through five. I wouldn't argue if it was Popovich or D'Antoni uh, or even Steve Kerr, for that matter, even though that he didn't really coach the team for that that length of time if he would had more votes sympathetic votes whatever they may be i would be okay with him being a little bit higher because he's he's a proven he he was there before as well even though he credits mark jackson but that's a different story but i just i look around at the the expectations going into the year for different rosters and i i would even begrudgingly say that jason kidd was a better coach than spolstra spolstra is the one that sticks out to me that's the point i don't get the infatuation with this guy
1: they
2: missed
1: I the playoffs. Mean, kind of, I, get they, I get they missed the playoffs, but I think that if you look at their total talent individually, I mean, their best players are Goran Dragic and Hassan right side, it's Like, that's not a playoff team, right? So... I I definitely think that you can you can argue they they outperformed what their talent expectations would be, but n- not enough for him to be coach of the year. Like if I'm just looking at if I just go looking at rosters, how good they should be and how good they actually are, like then then Popovich is the obvious choice. But I, there's also the like it's boring to vote for Popovich every year narrative. Which I, sure, I totally and,
0: and that's and that's why I think a lot of votes went to D'Antoni, because that's that was yeah. a team that surprised a lot of people, I think. And Popovich was expected to get his guys to over overperform, so that's a reasonable argument to me. I just I look at this and I'm baffled by the fact that Pop uh, Spolstra is up there at number two. And you know what? It's basically a calculation type of thing because he's just getting a lot of second and third place votes, and that's that's where maybe the system is a little bit flawed and uh it's pretty clear that d'antoni was the outright favorite in this thing because he got 68 first place votes to spolstra's nine so um i just it seems like a lot of people thought spolstra was the second best coach in the league and for years now i just am baffled by that i don't get it i think there are plenty of better coaches than he than, than he is um Anyway.
1: Going out on culture, I love it. Well, since we're already over, can we just talk a couple more things? Yeah, uh, let's
0: let's hit a couple yeah. more awards here. I assume we're still on. Sam's still listening. That's what, all that matters. Oh, he's muted now. That's working. Great.
1: So, do you, uh, Westbrook, are you are you in line with that? And I, I, I know we talked about it before, but uh, the, like, do do the playoffs? First of all, do, do the playoffs change anything in your mind? Because we no. sort of saw. Soft- I don't cause I, I don't think the playoffs should matter at all right Well, think, until, like, until they would,
0: change the parameters of the voting and and they d- directed the people that actually vote on it to look at the playoffs then of course I don't I don't think that it should factor into the MVP race I'm not even going to look at it that way and, and that's what the the MVP of the playoffs is, is all about so um yeah. I just I'm I'm with I'm with this Westbrook thing it's it, he the numbers spoke for themselves, and just his ability. And it, that's another thing. If you want to talk about coaches and coach of the year, I mean, what did what did Billy? Nobody even even talked about Billy Donovan, and you know why? It's because of Russell Westbrook. That's why you're not talking about Billy Donovan as coach of the year. Spoelstra doesn't have a guy like that, so maybe that's why people pump him up. But Donovan didn't even hit this list, right? And it's because. He's not even coaching. That's the perception that people have of the team. He has Westbrook. He has the MVP. He's not even. He doesn't even have to coach, right? But uh, who knows? I love
1: your 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 passion just spilled over into this Westbrook conversation. It like Westbrook for I know. Uh, I like, know. Yeah. I know.
0: I just want to give another coach more credit because it, <laughs> as good as the point is, that as good as Westbrook is. Uh, the rest of the team around him was pretty good too. But the point is that they exceeded expectations. So if you're going to talk about giving, or if I'm going to talk about giving coaches credit because teams exceeded expectations, you also have to give the best player on those teams credit as well for exceeding those expectations. And all that credit goes to Russell, Russell Westbrook. So, uh, yeah, I totally agree with him for MVP.
1: Here's another thing that people want to look at the playoffs and talk about look. How how people play, how teams play, like it, a lot of that depends on matchups. When you're the MVP of the league, it's how you it's how you're playing against you know, like 29 different teams and like how you match up in different scenarios, what you do. When you play the same team four to seven times in a row, like. That, that changes the narrative. Like, in other words, like, Russell Westbrook might have a hard time playing against Patrick Beverly particularly, but that doesn't mean that, that like, he would, he's not the MVP against the, the league in entirety. So when people want to just isolate it to, like, Oh, he didn't perform in that one series against the Rockets, but yeah, he still uh, he performed. He just got tired down the stretch because he had to carry the team on his back. There were games in which he put up crazy numbers. You know what he didn't do though? He didn't he didn't put up ten points in a closeout game on the road. Uh, Russell Westbrook didn't do that like James Harden did. He didn't shut mm-hmm. down when the San Antonio basically had nobody in that series. Like. San Antonio did to Houston what Houston did to Oklahoma City, but but like for some reason, because it was the the two you know number one and two MVP candidates, there was the MVP narrative there, but the MVP narrative didn't exist in in the next round. And let me just say this too about James Harden, because I I, I sort of said it before the playoffs, and I, I still wonder does James Harden's team has it so dependent on great free throws and sort of. Uh, you know, a, a sort of finesse-style play. Does does that translate into playoff basketball? I, I, obviously, I'm not saying he hmm. sucks, but I'm still not convinced.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I'm not convinced either. I don't think that he is necessarily an a MVP of the finals type of guy. I think that if his one of his teams is going to get there, then somebody else is going to have to step up and grind it out. But who knows? Maybe he can turn himself into that type of player. He's He's very silky, very smooth. In the lane and things like that, he can get to the basket. But he often relies on um, the referees to bail him out. And I think that that goes away the deeper you get into the playoffs, as we saw. So that's part of the reason that, that Harden, I think, was fed up. You know, he, he doesn't really play defense, and he was just tired of getting hacked. And he said, ah, screw it. Let's go home. I don't want to do this anymore. So that, to me, that that's a red flag. And to me, if, if you am a Houston fan or even someone in that organization – and I actually want to see my team win a championship. Then I'm going to start to question whether Harden is that guy. But anyway, um, that speaks even more to Russell Westbrook's heart and the, and him trying to will his team of nobodies to do much better than anyone ever expected them to do. And I think he succeeded in that, and he deserves the MVP. Oh, right, uh,
1: real quick, Giannis won most improved uh, over Jokic. I yeah. most improved is a. It's a weird category, but I kind of think Jokic deserved it because, to honest, yeah, Yanis yeah, was better Jokic obviously overall this year and, and going to be a better player. So I think they they just gave it to him for that reason. But just levels of improvement, Jokic like he was good as a rookie, pretty good, but like he turned into a crazy beast this year. And, yeah, he I was really incredible.
0: Jokic, he was very surprising.
1: Yeah, Giannis was still like, what well, was still pretty awesome last year. That's all. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I've right. got better. No, this, is, this
0: is more about the yeah. gap. This is yeah. This, this and yeah. you know what? I think this used to be called the comeback player of the year. Maybe they still do that or something. I'm not. I'm not sure. I don't believe they actually gave that out. But um, uh, they definitely used to have a, a, a award that was reserved basically for guys that were injured and came back and had an, had a great season afterwards. It would have been something that Paul George would have won after getting that. Brutal leg injury with uh, Team USA there. But this now is more about improvement from year over year as far as playing is concerned. So, to me, I agree with you on that one. It's Jokic. He was he was a triple-double machine. And on there, you know, people expected him to be good, and he was great last year as well. So, I don't think that he was that much better this year. And that's why I go with Jokic as well. But you never know with these writers what yeah. they're going to vote for. Um, anything else you want to throw out there or should we kill it?
1: Yeah. No, one more thing. and It's a sort of Celtics topic. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the, the, the all defensive teams, uh, came out. Oh and, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's sort of uh, some, some, uh, hubbub in Boston about this. Uh, I think the all defensive first team is like, this pretty unassailable, right? Or do you disagree with that? Uh, I guess Chris Paul, you can make an argument for because he, you know, played 61 games. But Chris it's Paul so is tough delicate. because you're looking at the entire,
0: uh, you're looking at the entire league, not just each conference. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, but but you know what,
0: Calvin? Man, I think that you know, this, this this is not just a hubbub in Boston. It, I don't know. I mean, I know you're not on Twitter, so you probably didn't see any of this. But there were. I saw at least just in the time that I was looking this afternoon, five or six NBA players that were being retweeted, et cetera, that were voicing their opinion in shock that uh, Bradley didn't, Avery Bradley didn't get named to even the all-defensive second team. And that's not just Isaiah Thomas, who was one of those guys, and he actually vouched for Smart and Crowder as well, um, which was kind of laughable. But there were other players coming out and and saying that they, they thought Bradley should have been uh, should have been on, on one of those defensive teams to the point where I thought that maybe people were actually mocking him. Like there were so many people that were – so many NBA players that I, w- I started seeing, five, six, seven, and then I assume it kept going on uh, that were, were saying he should have made one of these teams. It, it, it almost seemed like it was turning into a joke. But I think that people actually were are throwing him some respect and saying that they believe he should have been, been on one of these uh, these lists here.
1: Yeah, for, for, first of all, Avery Bradley came up one one vote short of the second team, which I I don't I don't feel like it's a snub. Just just straight straight off the bat, even even if you feel like he's all defense worthy, the, the voting reflected the notion that he's basically all defense worthy. He just missed out by one vote. So if he, if if they're if they're saying that he's the fifth best defensive guard this year, then like if, if I'm a Celtics fan, like I'm totally fine with that. And he he was fifth instead of fourth, like. What, what are we talking about here, right? That's that's uh, such a small degree of, like, complaining. But he, but beyond that, like, I guess that a bunch of people, uh, you know, made, a bunch of NBA players made comments about it. And it, in, to my mind, if I'm a Celtics fan, like, that makes me feel like that's a good thing because a- Avery Bradley seems to be, like, a popular, nice guy around the league, right? Like it, uh, Yep. That seems to Maybe the they want to where, play like, with
0: him. They're showing him some respect, yeah. yeah.
1: Exactly, he has a lot of value and, and because because he may be traded any day now Like, the, the idea that he has this sort of value around the league Is a, is a good thing for the Celtics But, be, beyond that though I don't think he deserved to be on one of those teams For a couple of reasons One, I, I, he he only played 55 games Right, which is like I, I said Chris Paul played 61 But like, everybody else on that list Everybody on the list played more games than Avery badly But beyond that, like he Avery Bradley was was not very good defensively for a while after he came back from his injury. Like there was about a, a stretch of about of about fifteen games, and if you look at like his overall defensive stats, they're not as good as they were the last couple of years. I just I just don't think he had as good of a defensive year as he had two years ago when I thought like that was by far his best defensive year. So I don't know where yeah, you're I at think, on this,
2: but I think
0: I think Tony Allen is the is the argument there. It's he's but he's a guy that's been there for a long time. Um, And, I mean, Patrick Beverly missed 15 games as well and came back strong. So I think he deserves to be on there just if you're looking at at it that way. But I think Tony Allen is the one that people would question. And when you put it that way, Calvin, that he's fifth out of fourth, I'm sure people will understand more about why uh, it's not that big of a deal. And I mean, I'm not freaking out about it. I I thought that he probably – should have made it or, or I would have put him there over Allen but I like I love Bradley. I think he's awesome. So um that's that, that's because I probably I didn't see I saw all of Allen's 50 or or uh, Bradley's 50 whatever games. I saw maybe 3 of Tony Allen's. So that's that's not something that I can really judge I guess either, right?
1: I guess I I guess where where I would be at as if I was a Celtics fan is like and I realized, for for whatever reason, the Twitter momentum was behind uh, Avery Bradley. But uh, but I think this year, I I, I think the the best Celtics defender, you know, other than other than arguably Horford, who uh, I didn't take a look at the forwards, but um, uh, you know, Horford and Smart to me were the best Celtics defenders this year. I think Smart was a better defender. Smart like. He cut down on his propensity to flop and make dumb mistakes defensively, right? He cut out a lot of his cheap fouls. Obviously, obviously, offensively, he still makes a lot of mistakes. But we're talking about the Hall defensive team this year, and I, I thought Smart, you know, played much better than he ever, he ever has defensively. And overall, I, I think that he was more valuable than Avery this year.
0: All right, fair enough. I'm going to look at the forwards quickly because I wanted to see where Horford shows up here. I don't know if he does. I don't see Horford's name on this list at all. Nope, Al Horford did not get any votes for uh, all defensive team.
1: But Isaiah Thomas Mark, did. Marcus, yes, he
0: did. Uh, Marcus Smart had, what is this, 21.5. What's the parentheses? I, think, ah, I should have looked this up first. What's the parentheses? I think
1: five is first-team votes.
0: Five first-team votes. Interesting. Okay, so good for him. Yeah, so that would be – Avery Bradley would have had 46 points and 12 first-team votes. Um, And when you're looking at the points, and when you're looking at the points straight up, if you didn't separate it into guard, forward, center, what have you, Bradley would be on this team. Um, Because Antetokounmpo would not be on this team. And that's, that's another way to look at it. And forget it, if you. And that's kind of the way the league has gone as far as the All-Star game is concerned. They've gotten rid of the center. I think at some point they're just going to start – maybe not any time in the next few years, but at some point down the line, the way the league is looking, they're going to start listing players and picking the best players. So if you look at it that way, Avery Bradley would have been ahead of Antetokounmpo on the all-defensive second team. And for that matter – uh, Clay Thompson, John Wall, and DeAndre Jordan all would have been. Or Jordan would have been tied with him, uh, or or ahead of him as well. So I think that's 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 a little bit more consolation for the Celtics fans right there.
1: I would have taken Clay over Avery this year as well. By the way, uh, I didn't even think about him. There might be another oh, guy or two that was uh, defensively wise. I'm talking about. I see. Yeah.
0: Uh, you know who else got a defensive team vote? Cody who? Zeller, Cody Zeller,
2: and yeah. Austin yeah. Rivers, I want to
0: know who's voting on this stuff, who voted for Austin Rivers, that's,
1: Doc Rivers, Doc,
0: Doc Rivers, yeah, oh, that's right, you know what, the media puts their votes out there, so it's like, it's it's got to be coaches that are voting for these guys, right,
1: you think so, so do you think Brad Stevens is the guy who put up the Isaiah Thomas vote? Oh Hello. wait, no, I can see it.
0: I can see it. Look, the uh, the NBA, NBA.com actually puts the official votes out there. Uh, apparently, it looks like um, Marcelo Noguera from Olay. That's his affiliation. Uh, he's the one that voted for Isaiah Thomas. That sounds reputable. And then let me let me get Zeller up here. Uh, the one vote for Cody Zeller came from. Uh, Royce Young at ESPN.
1: Wow, Oklahoma City writer Royce Young, who voted for Damian Lillard? Can <laughs> you tell me, voted for Damian Lillard. I certainly can. Everybody. I've got,
0: I've got it all right here. I've got it all right here. Damian Lillard. Uh, that was uh, Mr. Richard Walker from the Gaston Gazette. Well, I'll
1: all three of you should be ashamed of yourselves. After, <laughs> after that, it's sort of like oh, Ricky
0: I Rubio. Guess, than, yeah, he steals. I guess.
1: Rick, no, Ricky Rubio is a really good defender at that position.
0: It steals. Yeah. 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 I'm just thinking. I'm thinking of, of him more uh, straight up one on one defender type of thing. But I guess he could probably stick with guys then too. Um, yeah. So those are, the, I guess, those are the three that we wanted to single out there. Yeah. And we you could do that, do that for all cool. of these. I'm going to go look, go through and see who, who voted for Spolstra. That's what I'm going to
1: do. Yeah. <laughs> Not on your team. See who voted for Dwight Howard, but, uh, I guess it's there's six guys, so it's less interesting.
0: Right. Is there anybody else that got a single vote?
1: Uh, I mean, I was like, Austin Rivers, but I, I felt like this they you not know, At least he was good at defense. You know what I mean? Luke Mbamute was at least good at defense, so even gotcha. though those are weird, weird choices, I can't be super mad about them.
0: All right. Well, I wonder.
1: Not a great choice. Not a great choice.
0: All right. Let's let's just have one more little moment of fun with this MVP voting. DeMar DeRozan, uh, he's the only one that got a single, uh, only one point for the MVP. I'm going to go see who voted for DeMar DeRozan for MVP, and then we're going to end the show. Nice. Assuming it loads up. Here we go. And what do you think it is? Is it somebody at ESPN? Let's find out. Nope, it is somebody from CSN Washington, uh, J. Michael Falgos. Voted for Demar Derozan with one fifth place vote. There he is. Oh, fifth place
1: vote? No, that's that's not that bad.
0: One fifth place vote for Demar Derozan. Yeah,
1: I can't be fifth place vote, man. Yeah.
0: No, okay, well, then maybe I should have just looked. You know what? We have we have more time. We're just wasting everybody's time. Actually, LeBron James only got one first place vote. That's somewhat embarrassing, isn't it?
1: Uh, I don't know if embarrassing is the right word. Right? <laughs> he still, like, got to the finals. I think, I think Levon will be all right.
0: All right. I guess you can't really question many of the names on this list anyway. Um, all right. Maybe I'll dissect this a little bit more. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, the Knicks say they're legitimately interested in Derek Rez. Do you think that's actually just crazy? <laughs> you're you're, you're Dude, I like this Phil Jackson thing could not be going better for me because Laker fans were like so desperate to get him to come to Los Angeles. And again, we we had a show at the time where it got me online when I said I, I didn't want the Lakers to hire uh, Phil Jackson. I was adamantly against it. And like Laker fans here like, were so despondent that we didn't get Phil and like how, uh, the, they don't know what they're doing, which works uh, good to now. Me, yeah. We said they didn't, but like this Phil Jackson thing could not be going better, right?
0: Oh my goodness! He looks—he he looks so stupid right now.
1: Do you believe him? Are they really, do you think they're really interested in Rose?
0: Why else would he say it? Like I don't know—they—they have—they need somebody, right? They're gonna have to pay somebody to play basketball or not
1: play basketball,
0: for that matter. We're talking about Derrick Rose. Um, I don't know. Would you
1: rather be a fan or a Nets fan right now? Oh boy, that's no hot. Starting from today,
0: today
1: you're going yeah no history, just
0: like with this roster right now. Oh, man. That's a difficult one. I think think because I like Porzingis so much, I would rather be a Knicks fan, but the Nets seem to have more as far as uh, what they... I mean, I don't know if they really have a plan for the next few years, but they at least seem to be trying to build something over there in Brooklyn, whereas the New York Knicks just... Looked like a total dumpster fire with uh, Christaps Porzingis pouring buckets of water on it, trying to anyway to keep keep the fire out. And it's just it doesn't seem to be working for the kid. So I hope that he goes somewhere, and I, I hope it happens soon. All
1: right, I think that's it for tonight. We had a, a full show. I
0: like it. Wait, overtime. We we I, basically did four overtimes there for you, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Um, that's it. Have a good one. What's what's next week? July July fourth is next week. Can you believe that? Oh, it's, it's
1: happy, on the fourth of July? Oh you're right. Yeah, it is on July.
0: Happy birthday, so, America.
1: Yeah. So we probably won't have a show or we'll figure it out.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. Alright. Maybe we
1: could do it another day, right. day or something. Good talking to
0: you. Yeah, we can we can uh, I, I might have some time Monday, but uh we'll wait and see. Okay. Alright.
1: Alright, sounds good, Rick.
0: Thanks for listening, everybody.
1: Careless Whispers. We're out. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone.